0: So here we go. We're in a series talking about what matters most to you. And so that's the question before you today. What matters most? What matters in your life? Health? Your strength? Prosperity? Come on. Your 401k? What matters? Your family? Having a good marriage? Uh, Having a strong family? Kids growing up? Going to college? Having a great career? What matters Most to you, material things, having a house, having a car, what matters most in your heart? At the end of the day, we're all building. We are all building. Jesus used the example of two men in Matthew chapter 7. Of two men building a house, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He said, both of these heard what I had to say, and they began to build a house. They both heard the instructions, and they both built. But one man built on the sand, and another built on the rock. Both heard what Jesus had to say. One built on a weak foundation, one built on a strong foundation. Now, this is a metaphor for your life and my life. What are you building on? Are you building on a weak foundation of immorality? Come on, and weak character, and listening to the enemy, and the lies of the enemy, and trying to get ahead at anyone's expense. Or are you building your life on a strong foundation, and that is simply Jesus Christ, who is the rock, he is the chief cornerstone. Uh, I believe the psalmist said that if the Lord doesn't build the house, come on, they that labor what? Somebody knows the scripture, come on, labor in vain, it's all for naught if the Lord doesn't build the house. What matters most to you in your life? We talked about values and how important values are personal values, and then governing values. What matters most? Here's my definition for it. It simply means this. It means finding and choosing biblical proven values upon which I can build my life. Knowing my life will have purpose, significance, and so many people would like to have a great legacy. But he who builds his house by himself and doesn't allow the Lord to do it, labors, what? In vain. And so it, 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 it swirls around the values that you have in life. Come on, that thing that navigates you through life. What am I talking about with values? Well, values are simply these. Now, remember, I'm coming from a biblical perspective. Remember, I know that there are people who are much smarter than I am. I mean, there's the Nietzsche's of the world. There's Confucius, uh, even Buddha, and all of these other uh, people who are, are very, very smart. But I'm not coming from the perspective of Nietzsche or Buddha or Confucius or Allah or whoever else. There's only one perspective that I know, because there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof leads to destruction. And I never heard any of those others stand up before the world and say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The only way. Now that's some unmitigated gall right there. Come on. Oh, that's some audacity to stand up and say, I am the only way. And so the values that we're talking about come from a biblical perspective. They are critically important. Biblical core beliefs that drive our life. And they remain consistent in any circumstance, no matter what happens. You see, Jesus gave us the parable. And he said, one built on the sand and one built on the rock. But when the winds came and the floods came, The one that was built on sand went down. The one that was built on the rock stood. But not only did the one that was built on sand go down, but he said great was its fall. What matters most to you? What's important to you? We spoke about seven governing values that I believe everyone needs in their life. We need to value the scriptures. We talked about that. Not just have the Bible as something, as an ornament on a table, but we need to value it, get it into our life. And not only that, remember, the most important part in my estimation of this parable of Matthew chapter 7 was not just that the two men, one built on sand and one built on the rock, and we need to build on uh, Jesus who is the chief cornerstone and the rock. But what I really extrapolated from that passage of Scripture was the fact that both heard Jesus. It's not enough to hear Jesus. It's not enough to go to church, but we must do what he says. Come on. I hear so many messages about faith, and listen, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Come on. You cannot do it. You must have faith. What I asked you this morning requires faith. Come on. There's no two ways about it. It requires faith. You must have faith. But I hear so many messages about faith and about confession. How important is confession? Come on. It begins with what we think. It begins with what's in our heart. And it continues with what comes out of our mouth. But sometimes I don't hear those messages finish with what James has to say. I will show you my faith by my works. I must do what Jesus is telling me to do. Because faith does not end with thoughts. Faith does not end with confession. But what is also included in that is action. How many know that faith is an action word? We must value the scriptures. And to value the scriptures doesn't just mean to read the scriptures. Come on. But it means to live a life according to the scriptures. We must value transformation. That's what we're going to be talking a little bit about today. Allow God to change you. And then we must value the God of the scriptures, not the Jesus that someone made up. Not the Jesus that you see up on a painting or a picture. But the Jesus of the scriptures. The one who had not only had some ideals, but he had some absolutes. Come on. The one who had some black and whites. Not just the one who was full of grace, but the one who was also full of truth. Come on. We must value the God of the scripture. We must value the gospel. It is important. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. The good news of the kingdom of God. That's what the gospel is. We must value the mission. Where did God place you? What does he have you doing? You must value that thing. You are here for a purpose. You're not here just to get up every day. Eat some toast. Watch a little TV. And then go to sleep and do it all over again. Come on. You have a mission. We must value the church. Jesus feels that the church is so important that he compares it to a husband and wife. We are the bride of Christ. And you know what he said about marriages. A man is to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they become one flesh. We are one with Jesus. That's how much he values the church, and so should we. Never forsake the assembly of those together, in the name of Jesus. And this one's important. I threw this one in here. We must value biblical relationships. I cannot stress it enough. We must value that. It's not okay. It's not okay to have a relationship that's not biblical. Come on. Just a little side note. I heard I heard Bishop Jakes talking about this relationships one time and he and his wife were doing sort of a marriage conference and he started out the whole thing by saying uh you know what God in the scriptures has to say about marriage and has to say about relationships is this and it's this and and this is how we should do and this is God's perfect plan and this is what we need to do and all of those types of things and then he said but most of us have messed that all up so let's start where we are now So I get that. I get that, listen, we may have made some mistakes in our life. And so it's not about judgment. Come on. But it's about where we are now and going forward. Allow God to transform us and change. Come on. It's not about yesterday. I know we build on yesterday, but don't look backwards. Maybe do a glance to see where you came from so you have a testimony. But a man with his hand to the plow, looking backward, not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Don't look back. That was yesterday. You messed up yesterday? That was yesterday. Come on. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it, and we will move forward. Come on. Let's value biblical relationships. But God wants to transform us. What do I mean? Life transformation. From the beginning, there was Adam and Eve. Come on. Adam was created perfect. No sin, no sickness, no improper thoughts. And by the way, there are so many things today that I really feel, myself included, that we just settle for. We settle for sickness. We settle for sin. White lies, whatever it might be. We settle for all of those things. But do you know that when man was first created, he was was created with no sin and no sickness and no wrong thoughts? Come on. None of that stuff. And that's what God wants to form us and mold us and shape us into. It's the best life. Somebody wrote a book, Your Best Life Now. Well, that's your best life now. Come on. Allow God to change you and transform you. But he created Adam and Eve, perfect, and then something happened, sin, disobedience came in, hear a lot of people today talking about if there is really a God, if God is real, why does he let all of these things happen in the world, why does he allow war and murder, and why does he allow all of these things to happen, why, why, if God is real, I doubt God question is not whether or not God is real the question is if man is so good why does he do all of these things that's the question come on because God is real enough but when sin came in man without God cannot help it remember the story of the scorpion and the frog how many remember that come on frog was going across, the scorpion had to get across, and the scorpion said, give me a ride. This is the abbreviated version, because I know I've told it 27 times. The scorpion said, I need a ride across the river. The frog said, I'm not giving you a ride across the river. We get halfway out there, you're going to sting me, and then I'll die. And the scorpion said, that's ridiculous. I can't swim. If I sting you, not only will you die, but I'll die too. That's just stupid. And the frog said, well, that makes sense. So he said, hop on. Halfway across, the scorpion stings the frog. And the frog said, well, what? why did you do that? Now we're both going to die. The scorpion said, I can't help it. I'm a scorpion. It's what I do. You see, man can't help but sin. It's what you do without Jesus. Come on now without the Lord, without the Holy Spirit in your life. Because with man, it is impossible. It's impossible not to sin. You can't not sin. It's impossible. You were born in sin, shapen in iniquity. David said it. But with God, all things are possible, including to be free of sin. And so everyone except one was born this way. Born in sin, shapen in iniquity, except one. One had flesh just like we do, but perfect blood. No sin. Come on, none of that in him. And he gave his life, and then he said, listen, I'm going to take all of your sin, all of it. All of the sin you've already committed, all of the sin you will ever commit. And I am putting it squarely on my shoulders. And I will take it for you. It's called salvation. Come on. It's called restoration. He put it all on his shoulders. And he took it for us. So that we could have righteousness. Not only did he take all of our sin. Come on. But he gave us his righteousness. For God does not impute sin. But he imputes righteousness. He gave us a brand new heart and He changed us. How? From the inside out. We're talking about life transformation. We need to value it. Why do we need to value it? Life transformation is simply this. Transformation brings a freedom. Come on. From sinful, destructive habits, rigid legalism, and hopelessness. It rebuilds and it restores broken lives that's what life transformation does and that's what Jesus does for us and so we value transformation transformation comes from this Greek word metamorphos and or metamorpho which implies a total or major change I've done some reading and I'm sure you have you remember science in school Uh, about caterpillars and butterflies. And the caterpillar goes and makes a cocoon. And something happens. Metamorphosis. A change from the inside out. Something happens. And the caterpillar is no more. Because something new comes out of the other side. When God transforms you. See, the the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, what does it say? Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. What? By the renewing of your mind. Transform. That word transformation is metamorpho. It means to, to have a metamorphosis. When God transforms you, he doesn't simply come and conform you. But he reaches down on the inside and transforms you from the inside out. Do you think that the caterpillar knew what it was capable of becoming or knew the change that would happen in it when it went into that cocoon? I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. The caterpillar goes from one thing to another. And I don't know that it knows what it's going to be when it goes into that cocoon for its metamorphosis. I would dare to say that you turn into something that you could not even believe you could become when you allow God to get a hold of you and transform you. Come on. You can't even see how great the change is going to be. C.S. Lewis said one time, we're all under construction. And sometimes it's not very pretty with all of the wood and all of the scaffolding and all of the tools lying around. But oh boy, when he's done with us, we shall be like him. Come on. He's transforming us. From the inside out. It's not just an outward makeover. Come on. You see, the caterpillar doesn't go into the cocoon and come out a better caterpillar. Oh, come on, somebody. The caterpillar doesn't just come out, oh, well, now I'm a better caterpillar. No, it transforms into something totally different. See, discipleship is not about taking a sinner and making that person a better sinner. Discipleship is about taking a saint once God has transformed you and continuing that process into a great transformation into what God knows that you already will become. Something that we don't even realize. We don't even think it's possible to become what God wants us to become. Come on. Here's a scripture for you. Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do what? exceeding, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. Listen to another version of it. Listen to it. It says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working deeply within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. He doesn't do it in a mean parental way where he slaps us and knocks us around in order to get us on the right track. But he dives inside. Oh, come on. We serve a God that gets his hands dirty. Come on. You ever heard it? People are messy. Aren't we? Come on. You and I. Usually when we say that, we're talking about other people. Might not be me, but people are messy. Guess what? Look in the mirror. (laughs) Because you and I are messy. Come on. But God jumps right in the mud. And he begins to transform us and wipe and clean and fix. You ever gone to Thanksgiving dinner? Which is coming up, by the way. I'm very happy about that. And... This year, there were a lot of people over for Thanksgiving. Big family. I don't know if anybody's ever had that. You Ever had a big, big family Thanksgiving? Maybe just me a few. But I had it where just people come out to woodworks. I didn't even know you were my cousin and they come over. And it's great. We have a lot of fun and uh, laugh and talk about old times and eat until we're very full. And then we sit down for a while and maybe some of the guys watch football and then it's time for dessert. So we got to have some pie and all this kind of stuff. We do all that stuff. Then everybody goes home except for the people that live there, that host it. And you look around and you're going, Oh, my Lord Jesus, I don't have words for the pots and the pans and the silverware. Come on. And all of this stuff that needs to be cleaned up, how can this be done? But what do you do? Especially before this. See, some of you don't remember. I mean, some of us, some of you young people don't remember. But there was a time when there was no dishwashers. You know, the, the thing you turn and the water. There was a time when we didn't have any of that. The dishwasher was just turning on those two things and start doing like this, (laughs) the old school dishwasher. Me and my brothers were the dishwasher. And you look at it, and you go, how in the world? What are we going to do? But what do you do? You jump in, you turn on the water, you take a dish, and you start in. And before you know it, time goes by, and you got everything stacked up, dishes clean, Maybe you had a mother like me who made you dry them off, too, and put them away. We're not leaving them for tomorrow. Had to do all of that. And so, <laughs> the teacher said, well, that's what you should be doing anyway, but I'm a guy, you know. I... And so we had to do all of that. And then you step back and you look and you say, wow, this, this did not look like this about two hours ago. Well, I want to tell you something. Imagine what happens when God looks down at you. And he goes, oh, my Lord Jesus, look at all the pots and the pans. (laughs) But what does he do? He jumps in. Come on. If we allow him to, come on. He jumps right in on the inside, and he begins washing, and he begins cleaning, and he begins taking relationships out of our life. There's not biblical relationships that we don 't need we're not influenced We say, yeah, well you know that person i 'm here because i 'm going to influence them for Christ, except now it 's been seven years, and the only thing is you 've been influenced by them. Come on. I mean, if you're going to influence them, that's good, but do it. (laughs) Come on. All right, so he he begins to take relationships out of our life and and different things that we used to do. He begins to peel away and things that we thought we would want to hang on to. Come on. But sometimes you just got to let go. (laughs) All right, come on. You got to put it online and say, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to let go. And then God does that, and he begins to move all of those things away. And now he has something that he can work with. Now he has something that he can now conform. Now he can put you on the potter's wheel. Because he had to transform you from the inside out. 2 Corinthians 3.18 All of us then reflect the glory of the Lord with uncovered faces. And that same glory coming from the Lord, who is the Spirit, transforms us into his likeness in an ever greater degree of glory. It's a good news translation. That's what he wants to do with us, to transform us. John 1.14 says, Now the word became flesh and took up residence among us. God is not a far off God who just says, Get right and then come to me. God is a God who comes right in. Come on. Jesus became flesh. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Now here's, here's an important phrase here. And this is what we have to get in our hearts. Had a little bit of grace and truth in him. Is that what it says? He just had a little grace and truth? does it say? How much? Full. Full of grace and truth. Jesus was 100% grace and 100% truth. Ah, you can't just have a grace message, come on, without the truth. And we can't just have a truth message that's legalistic without understanding, for by grace ye are saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We need a balance, a balance Of grace and truth. Jesus was 100% of both. He has an unlimited grace, an amazing undeserved grace for us. It's a truthful grace. But Jesus also has some absolutes. Now come on. There's some things that are just, just the way it is. Jesus is the only way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. If you sin, you must repent. That's just the way it is. Come on, there are some things that are black and white. There are some things that are not so iffy. Well, I really, really, really love the person. I understand. Don't my feelings count for something? I don't know. Maybe they do. <laughs> but when it comes to serving the Lord, there's a black and white, and there's a biblical relationship. There's a way that seems right unto man. But the end thereof is destruction. And we need to understand that God is not telling us these things simply just to say that I'm the Father and you do what I say. This is not to stroke His ego. These principles and these absolutes are there for us to follow for our betterment. So that we can be the whole man. We can be the whole person that God wants us to be. So that we can be the overcomer. So that we can be like Peter, walking on water, walking on our circumstances. Not out of the storm, but walking right through it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Full of grace and truth. See, for the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We have have that balance. Jesus full of grace that transforms us. Jesus full of truth that transforms us. We need both. We need all of him, not a part of him. So where do we start? How do we do it? How do we allow God to transform us? I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what matters most to you or what you might be thinking. I don't know if you're a person who's getting ready to get your degree or you're getting ready to retire or you're, you're getting ready to get married like some. I don't know where you are on your journey in life, but there has to come a point where you say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Come on. I'm tired of doing things the same way, over and over. It's time for me to step up and go to the next level. How do we do it? How do we do it? Well, number one, we come to Jesus, but not just come to him. We come to him with honesty and faith. You need both, just like grace and truth. You need an honesty and you need a faith. Come on, you need both. Over in Hebrews chapter 4, it says nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter what. It just is. High priest, he just is. 1 John 4, 10 says, "In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. I mean, he stepped in the gap. Not only did he step in the gap, he didn't just step in and take a bullet for us. He took our guilt. See, I can step in. Someone who's guilty, I can step in the way and take a bullet for them or an arrow or whatever it might be. And still not be guilty. I just stepped in the way so that they wouldn't die. But Jesus didn't do that. He said, give me, give me, give me all that you got. All the the sin, all the lies that you've told. Come on, and everything else, whatever else, all of that, all of it. All of it. It's almost embarrassing sometimes to think of what Jesus took from us. I mean, for me, when I look at it, I go, God, you took that. You don't want that. This one, I'll keep. Jesus is saying, no, I I want everything, all of it, all of your sin, so that you have, you are blameless. You are righteous. He has washed you whiter than snow. You are blameless. Can you believe it? That's grace and that's truth. Come on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He's washed us clean. And so we must come to him with honesty and with faith, giving everything to him. We must come to Jesus knowing that we can't change ourselves. Too many of us, come on, too many of us want to have a hand in changing ourselves. No, what we can do is continue to build our life through obedience to God. That's what we can do. We can build by being obedient to him. But listen, if will could make a change in our heart, we'd all do it. Come on. Now, some of you might say, well, what? I don't understand. what that, How does that relate? Just think about being on a diet. Come on. If, if will could keep us skinny, we'd all be skinny. No, I'm just not going to do it. Maybe just as one ice cream, that's it. (laughs) Come on. Willpower alone doesn't get it. I mean, there's something to be said for willpower. Don't don't get me wrong. There's something to be said for it. But when, when we're talking about being transformed by God, your will doesn't get it. That's why Jesus himself, when he walked the earth, said, not my will, but your will. You got to buy in. Just like if you're on that diet, you got to buy. That has to become who you are. You can't just say, oh, I'm just going to do this. No, it has to become who you are. You got to jump in. Two feet. Come on. Torso, chest, shoulders, and head. If you have any hair, that too. All of it. All of it's got to go in. Come on. If you really want to make a change. Come to Jesus knowing you can't change yourself. You cannot change yourself. Dr. Judith Wright said, you do something that you could never have imagined yourself doing, become something you never would have imagined yourself becoming, and ultimately live a life greater than you could ever have imagined yourself living. That's what happens when you allow God to transform you. couple more. Number three, you come to Jesus trusting his love for you. Some of us have trust issues even with the Lord. And you might say, no, 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 I trust God. I sing that old hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I sing it. But your actions, come on, what did James say? I'll show you my faith by my works, by what I do. Your actions say who you trust. (laughs) Come on. And then come to Jesus facing the truth about you. You are what you are. you are. You cannot go forward until you first know where you are. You can't say, all right, let's go to Stillwater, Oklahoma. And then you say, well, which way do we need to go? Well, I don't know. Where are we? Because if I'm in Honolulu, I have to go one direction. If I'm in Orlando, I have to go a different direction. you got to know where you are. So come to Jesus with an honesty, facing the truth about you. In my flesh, I am fallen. I can do nothing without you. Jacob said it this way, I am but a worm in your sight. But knowing that the Spirit of God lives within you, now you can say, I am victorious. I am an overcomer. I am the righteousness of God. Come on, through Christ Jesus. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and never again beneath. You can say that with the Spirit of God being in you, but only once you realize that you without God are a worm. (laughs) Come on. And then finally, come to Jesus rejecting all of the lies of the devil. We cannot be wooed into the world by some of the lies. Now, come on. Some of the, sometimes the lie is not just that big thing that you can see. There's obvious things that you can see. The lies that woo us in are those that are, are, that are masked in a bunch of other truth. Nine truths and one small lie in there will turn you and lead you away. Come on. But we must come to Jesus rejecting all of that. The devil and deceptions and eloquence. Come on, smooth, persuasiveness. He's very believable. Did God really say that? I mean, think about this. Did he really say that? Think back. Well, you know, you say that and you're, I think you're right. You can convince yourself. Come on. But we need to reject these lies. Someone once said this. I won't call any names person is a hodgepodge of spirituality and psychology <laughs> out of context scripture but they said this, build it yourself spirituality is what I call it, they said all roads lead to heaven karma, sure fate, why not reincarnation, could be, a little Buddhism Hinduism, new age have it your way designer religion made to order for a post Christian culture. This came out of someone's mouth, someone that you all would know and probably respect. They said, one of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe there is only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to the one you call God. See, it sounds right because you might feel this way And I might feel this way, but I have a good heart, you have a good heart, and she has a good heart, so why can't we just all get along and work together and get there together? can we not just all get along? Come on, tolerance, togetherness, we can do it together. But I want to remind you of something should that thought come into your mind. You were born in sin, shapen in iniquity, and it's impossible for you to do it together. There were some men back in Genesis chapter 11 who did just that. They came together and began to build a tower together. They said, we're going to reach the heavens. And God said, no, you're not. Without God, we can't do it, folks. That's the scripture, John fourteen six. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The only way we're going to get there is to allow God to transform us, to change us from the inside. Now, we must value that. We must value that transformation. See, because if you don't value, it's one thing to hear a message Or to hear someone say, oh, Romans 12.2, yes, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember, remember our parable. It's one thing to hear the word, but it's yet another to do what Jesus says. That's why we must value it. See, if you don't value it, you'll hear it and say, boy, that's, that's great, that's a good thing. And it'll be another great saying. But if you value it, If you value transformation, you will throw up your hands and say, I surrender all. God, all I have is yours. Change me, mold me, shape me, take me, make me into whatever you want me to be. My purpose is what you have purposed for me.